This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. From MPB Think Radio, you are tuned to Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks who love to stir the boiling cauldron in late October for Halloween. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. We are your host today. On the show today, we kick off the holiday season as we welcome back Executive Director of Extra Table, Martha Allen. She will talk about her and Robert St. John's efforts to provide for a blessed and nutritious meal for everyone during the holiday season. Also, we talked with Chef Chaz Lindsay, who's gearing up to bring a new restaurant and new Italian flavors to Jackson. Carol, it is Halloween. Boo. <laughs> Boo you. The Monster Mash. Nice outfit. It was got a on. graveyard smash. That's right. Nice outfit. Thank you. Happy Thank you, Halloween, Happy one Halloween. and all. Thanks for joining us. It's Monday morning. It's Deep South Dining. You're tuned to MPB Think Radio. And we have two of our great friends on the show this morning, both Martha Allen from Extra Table and Chef Chaz Lindsay is in to tell us about his new enterprise called Pulito, which is an Italian restaurant opening in Bell Haven neighborhood. Of Jackson and Carol, Bellhaven is, I guess, our oldest residential neighborhood. It is, and it is actually the largest historic district in Mississippi. Wow! Hey, how about that fact? That's a that's a good tidbit. Well, it's been a busy weekend or week for me, really. Uh, we had dinner at Elvis. Speaking of the uh, Bellhaven neighborhood, Elvis is there uh, in the Bellhaven Town Center. It's what they call this new. Commercial development, de- yeah. Behind the Baptist Hospital uh, off of Jefferson Street. So we had dinner at Elvie's, and man, I had those French hermit oysters from the coast. They were fantastic. You know, we had those hermits on the radio we had about the a year ago. We, ne- right. we need to touch base with them. So I did a, a, just a brief read up on where the name came from, and it came from a fellow who lived on Deer Island. And they called him, he was a Frenchman, and they called him the French hermit. And, and, Clever. And, and people would uh, bring him groceries, and he lived out there off Deer Island, and he grew oysters and sold them to the local seafood industry. Uh, his name was Jean Guihat, and maybe that name became Galat. I don't know. Could have. But he was a Frenchman, and he lived out on Deer Island. And so these oysters are named for him, and they are commercially grown oysters in the Mississippi Sound, and they are fantastic. Great info, Mal. Also, earlier in the week, we had dinner at uh, Kessler Prime. Well, weren't you getting around this week? I was getting around. It was a busy week. (laughs) Kessler Prime out uh, at the Renaissance. It's a steakhouse primarily, but guess what I had? Oh, let me guess. It was not a steak. (laughs) Halibut. Of course. I'm going to a steakhouse. It was terrific. It was absolutely terrific. And I had a crab cake. So I, I would recommend that if you go to Kessler and you don't want a steak. They have fantastic seafood. And, you know, one of the managers told me one of their secret dishes that 
that a few people know about, and they feel like they have the best in town. They say that their fried shrimp are outrageous. I don't know. I'll try them next well, time. Well, you know it's no longer a secret now that you've told thousands of people. Correct. And on another There's outing. There's going to be a run. There's <laughs> fried, be a run shrimp fried shrimp at Kessler yeah. Prime. On another outing, I went to the Mississippi Museum of Art this week. Oh, for Maud Schuyler Clay's Maudie's, uh ex- exhibition yeah. of photography. It was just ridiculous. It was so fantastic. And uh, there I went into the gift shop and I found these amazing 3D chopping blocks that are made by wood craftsman Paul Ayers. He lives in Madison, Mississippi. He is retired from the Marine Corps, and he makes these just insanely gorgeous, very artful chopping blocks. And tis the season approaching, so if you're interested in a very unique gift, I would encourage you to go down to the Mississippi Museum of Art and buy one of Paul Ayers' Uh, fine, fine, fine chopping blocks down there. Well, I would just uh, like to make a comment that while you were gallivanting all over town, also it was just a very significant week for you and for thousands of us um, that the news that Helen Mouse is passing on to future ownership. Correct, And, and yes. stewardship and it's been so heartwarming to read all the comments on Facebook. Well, most all th- that aren't. There's mad. always yeah, a there's snarky always a, one. Yes, yeah, so, so snarky that a place where so much of us have lived a lot of life and many generations. Because I think that my generation owns Howland Mouse. I think we are Howland Mouse. However. Not anymore. There, no, there are there are several, yeah, several other <laughs> generations from Gen Z to millennials that were also claiming it. So, so let's spend a minute. Sure. Well, you know, after thirty seven years of of a family owned and operated business downtown, uh, that my brother and uh, Vivian Neal and I started, my ex wife, uh, and all of our family has participated in at one time or another. And uh, Brandy Lee, most recently, uh, has operated. But finally, all of the... And Brandy is? Hal's daughter. Yes. So finally, all of the family members have had a run at it, a shot at it, and they've decided they don't want to do it anymore. So I felt like it was time to move on. So I am fortunate to announce that my friends Damien Kavicki and Mary Sanders Ferris Kavicki uh, have purchased Hall and Mouse and will carry it on as Hall and Mouse with the same basic formula, of course, with some influences of their own. And so, you know, Damien is a chef, you know, and uh, Mary, and Mary Sanders, Sanders is a very well known restaurant designer. Absolutely. So this makes sense. So it makes sense to me. And today is the day. Today is actually yep. my last day to own and operate Hall and Mouse. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And a lot of people have asked a lot of questions. Will the menu stay the same? Will they keep the name? What about the parade? So they intend to keep the name, keep the place the same. They do not intend to take all the stuff off the walls. Uh, and they will keep the menu basically the same. And, of course, now that it's owned by a chef, there will be some some improvisation on that. And I can't wait to see what that looks like. But the parade will go on, as always, fourth Saturday in March downtown with the after party in between Hallamouse and Martins, just as it has for a very long time. 
You know, I was thinking when I got the news the other day of all the different things that have happened, all the celebrations, all the mourning for friends who've passed, all the great musicians, and I was thinking, what was the best music or the most memorable music you heard at Helen Mount? You know, people ask me that, and I'm totally stumped. I mean, there were so many great shows um, that we did. I remember when the Neville Brothers played there when they were touring one of their records, and uh, John Hyatt, uh, Warren Zavon, The Counting Crows, uh, you know, B.B. King played there twice. Tyrone Davis played there. Old Crow Medicine Show. Lionel Hampton. Uh, I mean, it just just, goes on and on. My most memorable, though, is Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg twice. Well, the last time we couldn't get Snoop Dogg into the town or off the bus because it was a Sunday night and he and his entourage from South Mississippi, all his aunties, were looking for chicken wings. Yeah, and I was having a hard time finding them. I think we finally found them at Hooters. Some some promoters struggle with uh, brown M&Ms. On that night, I had to deal with with, chicken wings. I think it was five dozen chicken wings I had a tough time finding. Yep. So much good food. And uh, Damien, if you're listening... Soup, remember. Soup. Soup Soup, soup is what we love, and soup reminds us of Hal, and that's our thread to the past, so think soup. Yeah, and Hal left 250-plus soup recipes, so they'll have plenty of recipes to choose from, and I'm quite certain that Chef Damien Kavicki will also have many of his own. So really looking forward to working with Damien and Mary Sanders the Kavikis are in the house, and no, it won't be an Italian restaurant, but there is a new Italian restaurant coming to the Bellhaven Town Center in Jackson, Politos, and later in the show, we will have Chef Chaz Lindsay on to talk about that. Okay, well, you know, I'm wondering, how about that cooktop? Oh, the cooktop is still out. Is it out, a Carol. saga? It's still out. Parts. No. We're waiting for parts. No, so this has been, what, three weeks Three now? weeks without a cooktop. Yeah, it's been a rough uh, three weeks. That's why I've been eating out so much. Ah, See, okay, I get it. that's what that's all about. I thought it was because of the lightness of no longer being a <laughs> restaurant owner and Well, that's skipping, coming as well. You know, skipping about. Well. All right, well, as uh, previously mentioned, it is Halloween, Carol. And uh, I wanted to share a little bit about the boiling cauldron you know what's in it you know what's in the soup the boiling cauldron filet of finny snake in the cauldron boil and bake eye of newt and toe of frog wool of bat and tongue of dog adler's fork and blind worm's sting lizard's leg and owlet's wings for the charm of powerful trouble, like the hell broth of boil and bubble. <laughs> it is Halloween, Carol. Malcolm, that was really a nasty stew that yeah. you, the boiling cauldron, that was, you know, lizard tongue. Ugh. I have newt. <laughs> <laughs> Owlet wings. Owlet wings. Yeah, where do you get these things? 
Uh, from the Ethernet. <laughs> <laughs> but you've heard that. Oh, yes. We grew up hearing Hearing that. that hearing That's a, that, an old but, fairy tale, as I recall. Um, the, eye of, the Eye of Newt. But do, do not serve that at Hallamow's on your no. last day. No, It no. happens to be October 31st. Right, right. Hey, guess who we have in the studio? In the studio. Chef. He Chef himself. Lindsay is in the studio. Thanks Welcome, Chef. Welcome. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Great. So, Carol and I were trying to figure out where all you had uh, worked in the in Jackson. I I came up with um, <clears throat> what did I come up with? Well, you came first, up with Table well, One Hundred. Well, first I came up with that he went to the Culinary Institute of America yeah. in Hyde Park, New York. Yes, ma'am. Okay, no, ma'am, please. Got it. Um, so, okay, I think, I think bing, my mother's bing. listening. So okay. Yes, right. yeah, you got to do right. Yeah. No, ding, ding, bing, bing for me that I knew about the culinary. Yeah, okay. and I knew he worked in New York. Right in New York, where? Yes, ma'am. Uh, uh, so I was at Eleven Madison Park for a year, um, and then I did about four years with Tom Colicchio. Um, at Kraft, is that is that? Craft for two years, and then Colicchio and Sons for two years. Um, Craft is still around. Colicchio and Sons is is now shuttered, but um, you know, similar in cuisine. Hmm. And Eleven Madison Park is really one of the temples of contemporary American cuisine. I know that it closed and re and has been redone and has They've reopened. Re-identified themselves as a, a vegan restaurant. Oh, really? Oh. They, yeah. So they're oh. trying to, um, you know, be a little more uh, conscious as to footprint and things like that. And you know, it's it's going really well. They retained three Michelin stars this year. Um, and still and, owned by Chef Danny Meyer. No, actually, I was one of the last crews to work for Danny Meyer under okay. his ownership. Um, and then Daniel Hum and Will Gadara bought it. Okay. Uh, um, Daniel Hum, is he still executive chef? Yes, ma'am. And um, he, uh, yeah, they, they've just rocketed to the moon. I mean, they've been so successful with that restaurant. You know, world number one. Um, and they, they changed it up in the San Pellegrino list where now if you make it to number one, you're always in that class and you can no longer be on the list. So it allows for new restaurants to have an opportunity to reach that goal. You know, as a chef, uh, I'm sure the opportunity to work in, in a place like that will be forever with you and influence your career. It was Quite possibly one of the hardest years of my life. <laughs> and, and I was 19 years old and had no clue what I was doing. So it was it was insane. <laughs> well, when people see those Michelin stars, I don't know if we here in the United States recognize what that really means to be a two-star or a three-star Michelin restaurant, the perfection that goes into that. I, I think now, you know, a lot of people are starting their – you know, they're starting to understand what it means because the, the Michelin Guide is branching out over the country. But the opportunity to have a meal like that is is becoming more accessible because you have so many young guys like myself who are from other parts of the country that, you know, go and do a year or two or maybe five years in one of these Michelin-rated restaurants. And then, well, it's time to go home. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that w- that's what it was for, for me when I decided I wanted to leave New York. You know, I... I couldn't handle the city anymore, so I literally moved to a horse stable in Italy for a year, and you know, just <laughs> completely. Now there's a contrast. Yeah. But after that year in Italy, it was time to come back to Mississippi and um, you know give people that opportunity to dine like that without having to spend the money on a New York City hotel room and you know, flights and 
you know, I'm not and, saying and that, we'll be at that level, but you know, you we'll, bring we'll try. that level with you, and, and you'll try. And it also, you know, brings up the thought of all the young chefs like you who have spread out across the country. I mean, the lineage that you come from, the Danny Meyer, Tom Colicchio, Daniel Holm mm-hmm. lineage, what they have gifted all of us, um, Thomas Keller and all the people that have worked in their kitchen. So we are pretty excited about your new restaurant. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited. And, and Malcolm, since you have the cap, I you can say the cap. name. Polito's. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes. Polito Osteria. And you you say you spent a year in Italy. Mm-hmm. I guess that would be the time where you did the research and development for this idea. It, it had something to do with it, for sure. Um, it was kind of funny when I moved to Italy. I, so in 2011, I um, I really wasn't doing well at all at the Cuisines of Mediterranean uh, at the CIA. And uh, so for extra credit, I, I went to go see a guy speak about olive oil and write a one-page paper. And at the end of the end of the talk, he said, hey, if you're interested, shoot me an email. You can come harvest olives, you know, because he's, he needs to free labor. And so I bit, and I sent him an email. And then in 2011, I went for six weeks and harvested olives. Uh, on his farm and we just remained in contact and um, in 2015 when I, when I felt it was time to leave New York I, I emailed him again and I was like hey you know I know you opened a restaurant on the farm do you need any help um, and he said actually I'm losing my chef I need a chef so February synchronicity it just right. worked out absolutely um, I moved over there in February of 16 um, and and it was kind of funny because, you know, all the Italians were like, oh, this is an American. He doesn't know how to make pasta. You know, there's no way he knows how to make pasta. But little did they know I'd spent the last two years making pasta every single day for Tom Colicchio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so they were, they were a little impressed because, um, I mean, you know, I had to make the potato gnocchi every single day at noon uh, at Kraft. And so I really had my skills honed in. But the one thing that I really took from that experience was – the importance of, you know, use, utilizing what's around you. Um, you know, and I mean, we had 250 olive trees on the farm, so we would get the olive oil from the farm. Um, you know, we would hunt wild boar. We would trap pheasants. Um, you know, very, very diverse um, vegetable crop that we would pull from and forage mushrooms, and they have delicious wild asparagus that just pops up, you know. Um, and so being able to have that experience, that's what really – hit home for me and when you came home uh did you first work at parlor market yes sir um so well no i'm sorry uh, i went to work for uh chef mike romehill at table 100 um and uh man that's an operation so i think for me going from this like eight seat restaurant in the italian countryside to a 600 seat you know mm. <laughs> basically banquet hall in jackson right um was was shocking but really good for me as far as organization goes um learned a lot under him and then um i got the opportunity from from derek emerson um i think it was about i'd been with him for about eight months when when derek gave me a phone call he had purchased parlor market and wanted to make it an italian restaurant and you know offered me a job and i took it and ran with it and we did some. I feel like we did some really, really good food there for a while. Oh, um, the pastas were amazing. And thank you. Now I know who was responsible for that. <laughs> now, will were you the last chef at 
parlor market before it shut down for the pandemic and ultimately never reopened? Um, well, you know, yes, I was the executive chef. Um, obviously, you know, you had Mike Greenhill, uh, Derek Emerson, Rob Rushton, they all partnered together in it and they kind of, you know, would keep an eye on everything and, and, you know, have influence on what was going on. But I was, I was the last one there who, mm. who was, you know, leading the ship. Um, but then, you know, my, well, now she's my wife, but at the time my girlfriend matched in El Paso, Texas for her medical residency. Um, and so we had to go. And so we, we moved out to El Paso, Texas and, uh, just moved back in July. Now right. you worked for a while at Estelle, right? Did no, right? no, that no. was, that was very brief. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. And now, so tell us a little bit uh, about, uh, Polito Osteria, the Italian restaurant that you're about to open in the town center in Belhaven, um, for those of you who do not live in Jackson, that's the oldest neighborhood in um, in the state, right off of Fortification Street, right off of Woodrow Wilson, State Street, and uh, it's it's a beautiful old leafy and eclectic neighborhood. Very Carol. very leafy. The first suburb of Jackson, which is so interesting to me that that it was once a suburb because it really is the heart of the city right. and it's a place where you grew up. It is. Um, I'm actually, I am on my sixth house in Belhaven. Um, <laughs> so I, I was born on Lincrest and then Peachtree. My parents are still on Belvoir, you know. Um, it's, uh, you know, when I when I decided I wanted to open a restaurant, which I've been wanting to do this for quite some time now, but I knew when I did my first one it had to be in Belhaven. There wasn't, there wasn't really any other option. And, um, and so... When uh, I got connected with Ruffin Lowry and David Turner, who were developing Bellhaven Town Center, um, and just saw the energy that's going on there, it's, it, it just made sense. Um, we're kind of like building our own little European Union of food there. You know, you've mm-hmm. got Elvis, which is French-driven. We're doing Italian, and then the brewery, which is mainly you know mm-hmm. Will, the head brewer there, is steeped in German heritage, and so you know, which is funny because those countries border as well so i mean it's really cool to see what's happening there and i mean i don't know if you've been there on like friday night or saturday night but i mean it's just an awesome atmosphere um but we're gonna do we're gonna have about 80 seats inside there um and then another 35 outside we've got a wonderful patio space i think that's one of the greatest things about it right now is just the outdoor dining option that you have there Mm -hmm. um the greatest thing for me is it's two blocks from my house, Carol. It is indeed. And, you know, I just have to say that, yeah, Chaz and his friends and group are giving us this wonderful experience in the town center. But your family has been so involved in the renaissance of Belhaven over the past 20, um, 30? 2001, I believe, is yeah. when my mother went on with the Greater Belhaven Neighborhood Foundation. Um, so yeah, well, yes. Yeah. 2001, because she retired in 2016, she was there for 15 years. And we're talking, right. Okay. We're talk- talking, uh, Virgie Lindsay, who also represents that area. Now on that city council. City council. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After running the Bellhaven organization, she ran for city council and is still there. Thankfully. Yeah. And keeping that neighborhood alive. Cause yeah, really the, the land, the first, houses were built in the in the late 1900s but 
like from about 1904 on, it was you know this thriving, beautiful neighborhood and has been for for many years. But uh, she was she played a very big role in the Renaissance and bringing it back. And it's just wonderful to see the next generation of Lindsay's taking us right. onward. Yeah. Uh, so, it's it's, it's um, a responsibility that holds a lot of weight with us. So, you know, I'm excited that I have the opportunity to do it for sure. And besides opening the restaurant and you, you said you think you'll, you'll try to get it launched by early January. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. You're also doing a pop-up next week? Is that uh, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow, actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah tomorrow. So um, after this, I'm going to drive to Two Dog Farms and pick up some fresh vegetables. But we're going to be doing um, a pop-up at Sunflower Oven, which is on Jefferson Street. And, mm-hmm. well, that's Belhaven Heights, right? Mm-hmm. part of the area. Um, you get off on High Street and take a ride on Jefferson, and um, they're right there. But we're going to do two pastas, a pizza, a um, couple of vegetable dishes, um, and a... I've been working on this porchetta sandwich that we're going to do uh, with Calabrian braised chili green. Uh, I'm sorry, Calabrian braised collard greens on mm-hmm. it. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about it. So how can people go? Is, is it a reservation thing? Is it already sold out? No, we're really keeping this one grassroots. Just kind of show up at around 5 o'clock, and we're going to cook until we run out of food. That's easy enough. Malcolm, yeah. you're close by. Very close by. All right, joining us now, our good friend, uh, Martha Allen from Extra Table. Martha, how in the world are you this morning? I'm wonderful. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I'm super excited to be visiting with two of my favorites, you two. Thank you so much. Well, we always love having you, and... Since the last time we've talked, we may have a few listeners who don't know about Extra Table. So set the table for us. Thanks for giving me that opportunity, Ms. Carol. I appreciate it. So for those of you listening, Extra Table was founded in 2009 by Chef Robert St. John out of Hattiesburg. And Robert's a creative guy, but I believe the day he created Extra Table was a stroke of genius. It's the only way we know that um, we fight hunger differently than other groups throughout the state and throughout the world. We fundraise in order to purchase food by 18-wheeler truckloads and deliver it to food pantries across the state of Mississippi for free. So instead of you bringing canned goods into your church or elementary school, we are fundraising and using buying at wholesale prices so we can get a whole lot more for that dollar and taking it directly to the food pantries, the items that they so desperately need. So it's such a unique way where we use business principles to operate, um, and we still get those fun, warm and fuzzy nonprofit fields. Well, uh, and, and talk about the type of food that Extra Table brings to the pantries. Yes, ma'am. So we like to provide those, you know, lean proteins, those um, healthy, quick-fix meals. So some examples of that are pasta and pasta sauce. All families, all kids, you know, noodles, that's something that every mama or dad can put on the table and everybody in the household will eat. Peanut butter is another great um, protein. Uh, canned chicken, canned tuna, those are good shelf-stable items that can provide a family a meal. We do a lot of canned vegetables that are low-sodium, canned fruit that are low in sugar or no sugar added. We love providing the um, pop tops and tear tops. 
And, you know, Farmer of the Year, Mike Wagner, one of our own Extra Table board members from Two Brooks Rice. And one of our very best cooking and coping members, and we all use his rice. (laughs) That's right. Every time he posts in cooking and coping, I'm like, us, can he just show up in my kitchen and make that? Um, But he gives us about, you know, 40 to 50,000 pounds of rice a year that we bag down with volunteers and distribute to our food pantries because... You know, rice is a low-fat, really filling, good quality food, super nutritious. Excellent. And and uh, I know during the pandemic, you you had a lot of giant packaging efforts like that. Uh, I remember calling you one day, and y'all were breaking down thousands of pounds of, of seafood. Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, you just never know who's watching you, right? And. We had a um, a casino on the Gulf Coast have a fishing tournament, and they were like, you know, let's give the fish to extra tables. So we worked with another organization. We set up a group on the coast to clean the fish, and we distributed it to our food pantries. And that's not typically how we work. We buy the food to deliver to our food pantries, but no food goes to waste on our watch at extra table. And, you know, we delivered this the fish all was good we posted on facebook and the power of facebook commanded a group out of cape cod and um they saw the post and they called us and they offered us um upwards of eighty thousand dollars to purchase shrimp mississippi gulf coast shrimp from mississippi gulf coast shrimpers and you know that was the first time for so many of our pantry goers across the state to receive shrimp and it's such a a fresh, healthy, good quality protein. And, you know, it's a, it's a high end food for all of us. You know what I mean? And it's just, absolutely, and it's so easy to prepare and delicious. And it was a lot of fun. Um, the group that packaged it, M&M seafood. I mean, if you shop in corner market, it looked exactly like the seafood there. It was packaged by the same company, caught by the same shrimpers. It was amazing. And, um, so many of our pantry goers responded with, you know, I've only seen, you know, shrimp sizzling on the TV commercials. And, mm-hmm. and so it was really cool to be able to offer something new and different um, to those that, you know, that we serve throughout the state. With the holidays upon us, uh, this must be a particularly busy time and a special time for Extra Table. I know y'all have a variety of things that you do to try to provide nutritious Uh, meals for those less fortunate absolutely everyone is extra conscious and extra active during the um, holiday season especially when it comes to providing food and meals for families that don't have the underserved and so extra table thanks to the first bank has a virtual campaign for our third year and it's called the tackle hunger holiday campaign and the most fun part and the coolest part of this campaign is that we have turkeys. And as you all know, if you're heading to the grocery store to buy your turkey in the next couple weeks, they're more expensive and they're harder to find. And that's the second year in a row we're facing Mm -hmm. this predicament. And so we have 3,000 turkeys, and we want them to head to a table um, for a family this holiday. And so $15, you can send a check, you can get on our website, you can Venmo Extra Table, However you want to get me $15, um, we want you to help us put a turkey on every table for a family this holiday. Wow, that's great. So let's talk about uh, the holidays. And uh, in the studio, we have uh, Chef 
Chaz Lindsay also, Martha. And I wanted to ask him about what he might be preparing for the holidays or if you've created a menu yet for your home table or what do you do during Thanksgiving and Christmas? Well, I hope he's preparing those smoked catfish deviled eggs. <laughs> I, I can definitely do those for you. Um, well, yeah, that's yeah. the best thing I've ever had in my life. I was like fangirling over here listening to the previous interview. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed them. Uh, but I, um, you know, I like to get pretty traditional when it comes to the holidays. Um, and so, as you know, speaking of turkey, like, what, what I like to do is I'll take fiend herbs, which is um, chives, tarragon, parsley, chervil, if you can find it. It's a little hard to find. And then about two pounds of butter and mm-hmm. some, some garlic, salt, black pepper, a little lemon juice, and then let that butter come to room temp, fold that up, and then we'll just stuff it under the skin of the turkey um, and then roast it low and slow. Um, and I mean, it's just mm. fantastic. You, you take those drippings and make a gravy out of it with a nice... You know, mashed potato and some roasted root vegetables, sweet potatoes and beets and, you know. But being from Mississippi, one thing I absolutely love is um, my mother makes quite possibly the most unhealthy spinach casserole. (laughs) (laughs) But it is so darn good. She actually, she made it for my birthday a couple weeks ago because I hadn't had it in so long. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I needed to take a nap to let my arteries rest but <laughs> yeah. it was you know stuff like that's fantastic now martha Yum. can you share some of what you prepare for the upcoming holidays whether it's thanksgiving or christmas or just a dish that you particularly like oh yeah i love like a cranberry crunch like the cranberries with the um the brown sugar and all the nuts on top my family um is keaton pecans my cousins and so any pecan pie, any dish with their, um, the heat and pecans, pecans out of Clarksdale, it always brings all the warm and fuzzies. And as a kid, we worked there during pecan season. And so anything Delta pecans is my favorite. Mm. So you were a Delta girl? Oh, yes, ma'am. Clarksdale, born and raised. All right. Okay. (laughs) Well, Martha, I just went on the website. I put Tackle Hunger Holiday Campaign. And got to uh, got to your website, and it's, and you can click donate. In the top right I'm corner. doing it now. I'm clicking Yay. donate. It's so easy. A turkey for fifteen dollars, uh, a side dish for one to five dollars. So speak to that. Yes. So you know we like to think in whole meals at extra table, and and someone might just have five dollars, or they like to think about making sure a family has not just a turkey. Because, y'all, when we say Thanksgiving, before you get the word out of your mouth, you have a vision of a turkey in your head. And for so many families, for so many families, that's just not possible. And so having a turkey on these tables and having side items and being able to enjoy what we do best here in the South, cook, eat, and sit around the table with our families. Um, There's so many people that aren't allowed and don't have that blessing and that luxury and so for us to be able to offer a complete holiday meal um, by providing these items to our food pantries just gives me all the warm and fuzzies for sure and it's a great conversation piece to start having with your children you know to talk about people that are hungry the need for food in Mississippi what does hunger mean to us and our grandparents hungry or little kids hungry so 
talking to your children as you go to click and buy that turkey and sponsor that turkey or click and sponsor some fat items. It's just a great conversation piece, and it's something we really believe in at Extra Table. So they can go directly to Extra Table or be slow like me and uh, go to Tackle Hunger Holiday. Uh, you can. com will tell you all about the Tackle Hunger campaign sponsored by the First Bank. I really like that you have several ways to give. The $15 is for the turkey, 25 feeds a whole family, 52 families, and $100 feeds four families an entire meal. Um, this is easy, and Martha, I, I love it that you say we need to teach our children because we are the most food insecure state in the country. Absolutely. That's right. Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Carol Palmer, Malcolm White, Martha Allen from Extra Table. And Chaz Lindsay. Chef Chaz Lindsay. So, Carol, you, you and Chaz were talking about some uh, food items, I believe, during the break. Well, I'm just very curious about what he's going to be doing uh, pasta-wise because, you know, that that is where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a photograph of Chaz before making, rolling out the pasta, you know, dusting it, and it it just is very compelling. And I want to know if you were going to be hand-making pasta in this restaurant. We are. Um, so a couple of different pastas that you have um, that are strictly made by hand, you know, any type of filled pasta such as a ravioli or a annulotti. Um, and then you have potato-based pasta such as gnocchi. Um, one pasta that I'm very, very fond of is a ricotta-based pasta called cavatelli. Um, which, you know, you, you roll it out, you let the dough rest, and then you have a crank machine, and it comes out like a little little noco, like, you know, that's uh, ridged. Um, but then also one thing that we're purchasing for the restaurant, um, we had it at Parlor Market, um, but there's so many different ways to utilize it. It's, it's called an Arcobaleno pasta extruder. Um, and so I, I have a rule that anything com- that comes out of the pasta extruder is only two days old, and then after that we don't use it. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe we could talk to Martha about utilizing stuff that's three <laughs> days old, but, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, two days old, you know, just to ensure quality and freshness and really give people in Jackson something that, that they don't normally have access to because so many people were worried about volume and we're going to be more focused on quality. Not that people aren't doing good quality food, but when you, when you make the pasta, and you put the love into it, and, and, and it's, you know, your attention to detail is focused. You can really tell the difference. Hmm. Well, extruded pasta is something that until a few years ago, I think a lot of people here didn't really understand the process of pushing the dough, you know, the of pushing the dough through the brass die right. and, and letting it dry and the texture that that gives. Um, yeah, it's... It, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the whole al dente, right, to the right. teeth, um, which, you know, the this extruded pasta you cook in about a minute, and it's mm-hmm. got that perfect texture, you know, and it's because of the force that's driving it. I forget what the actual poundage is of it driving it through the brass die, but it's, it's up there. It's high. Um, versus cooking a dried pasta. And just having a guess, okay, well, it, do I like it at 11 minutes or do I like it at 13, 13 minutes? You know, like <laughs> know it. it's just 
it's it's um, it takes the guesswork out of it because you're going to have that same texture because the gluten's going to be formed and it's and it's there and it's ready and you know you can honestly leave it in the water for up to four to five minutes and it's still going to have the same texture it's pretty incredible that's a, that's a great a great thing to know but you know in our specialty stores uh, now you see more extruded pastas and right. they're more expensive and you know people a lot of times don't make that connection that the reason they're more expensive is because they are made with the extrusion method right like the ancient pastas well so i mean to put it in perspective like the machine that i have is capable of doing about 20 pounds of pasta an hour um and i have you know the dyes just the dyes alone are right at about four hundred dollars a piece oh so you know that's you got to sell a lot of pasta to make up on that investment. We um, are going to try to help you, <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn. Please I, do. We'll do our Martha. Do our we will take you to lunch and eat some extruded oh. pasta next time you come to chat. Well, when you come in January, I it's, it's a date, Malcolm. That's right. The, this foursome table for four. Yes. Yes, Malcolm please. can meet you there on foot. That's yeah. right. I will, I, of course, will walk around the, the block. Of course, and we can't forget Java. Oh, no. That's it, right. Yeah. Java's away today, but Kevin Farrell is producing the show today. Kevin, thank you so much, uh, not only for being here and keeping us on track, but for the Monster Mash for Halloween. <laughs> so, um, Martha, tell, do you have any events planned what, uh, other than the going online and, and the Tackle Hunger campaign? What else is going on at, at your shop? Well, we just wrapped up our bourbon event. I hope you heard about that last Thursday at Reunion Golf and Country Club. We had over 400 people attend. It was a sellout event for our second year. And we had um, over 153 bourbons served. It was mm. such an exceptional event. We had a silent auction of some rare collector bottles from Jamie Ferris at Lincoln Road Package in Hattiesburg. So it was super fun. And we'll be rolling with the Tackle Hunger Holiday Campaign sponsored by the First Bank through all of November. And then December 1st, we're going to kick off our Merry Mississippi um, online auction, the 12 most Mississippi items and experiences. And Hmm. um, have you heard about that before, Malcolm? I've heard about it, but I have yet to participate. Tell us and our listeners all about it. Yes. So, you know, Mississippi, we have the best, the brightest, the most talented and most unique things. We've got to celebrate them. And so it's so fun for Extra Table to come up with 12 items, like the 12 days of Christmas. And we do one item each day. One item goes up on the auction lot at 7 a.m. and goes down at 8 p.m. And so one item sells each day. We've had trips to Italy with Robert St. John. We've had a um, a paddling trip, an art experience, and then private tour of uh, the Anderson family collection. We've had a day with Marty Stewart at the Neshoba County Fair for you and six friends, and then you go back to his museum and have a private dinner. I mean, mm-hmm. you name it, we've had it. Swing what? around the state golfing and all these cool hunting experiences. What about a pasta-making class with Chef I Chaz think, Lindsay? We can arrange that. I think that sounds <laughs> awesome. I was over here like, what does extruding pasta mean? I've got to Google this. I'll trade the pasta class for dinner with Marty Stewart. (laughs) I will work on that. I will work on that. Man, it was amazing. The barter economy. Yeah, it was so fun. And 
it's so cool because so many people outside our state and people that have moved away, they realize the amazing things that we have and offer. And out of the 12 items that sell, it's usually around five items sell to people outside the state of Mississippi. Hmm. And, you know, that's just so cool that they believe in our mission of Extra Table at feeding people in the most efficient and effective way, quality food, and that they also, you know, you get a great uh, Christmas gift for somebody that's likely really hard to buy for. Right. That's great, and uh, I know you do events <clears throat> throughout the year. You must, Martha, to keep we keep do. the engine running at uh, Extra Table. <laughs> Martha is the engine. <laughs> oh, I Robert! Robert was the original <laughs> vision, and Martha is is certainly the engine. And Martha, we are so proud of what y'all do, and you truly serve statewide, and uh, you're running a big business. Absolutely. They a big are. creative and philanthropic business. Yes, they are. Martha Allen with uh, Extra Table. She is the executive director. She's our friend, and we appreciate you joining us today. And keep them in mind, Tackle Hunger Holiday Campaign, if you want to do something special uh, during the holidays. Also, Chef Chaz Lindsay. Chaz, great to have you, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, thanks for being here, and good luck on Polito Osteria opening in early January. Kelly. Yes, and we'll check back with you when you, you know, when you're open. Please Absolutely. do. We'll check back with you, and we will be eating with you. Excellent. All right, Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners like yourself. Thank you. Our show was engineered today by Kevin Farrell. For my co-host, Carol Palmer, our special guest, Martha Allen, and Chef Chaz Lindsay, I'm Malcolm White. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.